keep going. Michael has his uh, new Marshall amp all tuned, so he gave us a little a little kick, a little kick start there. Sweetness. Welcome to the Keep Going Podcast. My name is Steve, and I'm one of your hosts. We've been dancing around the edges of capital P purpose in many of our discussions over the past year. But on this episode, Michael and I could dive in deeper. We consider whether purpose should be considered as an ultimate aim, or for more in need of a less grandiose and more useful conception. As usual, we get into pretty deep waters, but you've come to expect that by now. We hope you'll join us on this conversation that we call Running in Purpose Towards a Natural Style. Godspeed, my friends. Godspeed. to say all those things to just say so it's it's hard to put your finger on it's hard to put your finger on. it was exactly what you're saying like folk is dead but something's alive <laughs> it's not dead but it's alive and i was yeah, like well, it's what like is- something's alive yeah and people are like really niche music is not even niche anymore it's just your channel almost like kind of like youtube the way maybe it's just the way our brains are now operating because mm-hmm. we're digital instead of audio instead of we're not like analog anymore Mm -hmm. we're digital so we're like cool with channels coming in at different levels and different ways that we're like open and allowing um various podcasts like i can listen to somebody's podcast like aubrey marcus's podcast i listen to it dude i did not want to hang out with that dude not one not for one fucking red second but i also really love his guests and then i like Mm -hmm. his interview style and it's like so i can go in a channel and I have to be all the way in on it um, and I don't also have to then be beholden to his politics slash vibe slash you know we just had a conversation with Ryan last week in which prior to that the week before you and I had wrestled over politics and how to think about how we open up various discourse threads mm-hmm. in order to raise awareness and consciousness towards key issues that we feel personally that are important. And I, this is what I'm talking about by channels is like all of us are channeling different channels and each of those channels is unique and powerful mm-hmm. and people are playing those channels hard. I mean, keep going is a channel mm-hmm. and we're playing a particular style of 
distance runner podcast, mm-hmm. you know, and we've moved away from music and, you know, philosophy and we're kind of just staying in our little like personal training pocket, our coaching pocket, our experiential pocket. And then also saying we're cultural arbiters mm-hmm. at some larger and like in your case or some smaller in like my case in the sense of how we're who we're broadcasting to. Like I broadcast across the world, but I'm really just kind of hitting on about a hundred, 150 people. But you're in your work, you're 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 getting 150 unique hits of shoes a week, right? So like your channel is like way bigger. And so therefore you have to think about many of the attributes and aspects of how we operate and where we operate. Anyway, all that to say, mm-hmm. various channels working in a really unique and interesting way to create a everybody gets to play like okay, the Chinese say there's the Dow, mm-hmm. which is one, but it's two. And then from that comes 10,000 things. Mm-hmm. It's like the channels are the 10,000 things. Like there's all these 10,000 things. But hopefully they're all building towards one unique vision that everyone it calls humanity and hopefully some kind of world consciousness, right? Like being in, being conscious of various life forms beyond non-human life forms. And how we might be impacting the earth and how we might be impacting beyond the human scale. Right. Like it's crazy. I, I don't know. It what is. I, no, it, yeah. I, I don't even know. We got to, we need to put a topic on for I, a couple things come to mind. Um, it, I've been thinking a lot about it and, and, our conversation that we had like off the record the other week it's it's such a good conversation to have but strategically (laughs) it's like how do you i think i think when when you boil it all down is how do you bring people together and not separate people you know like and and when is the right time to have like a healthy sense of community and a healthy sense of tapping into the bigger community and like, then, but also, as you and I discussed in that conversation, holding your own yeah. in an authentic way and then defending it, mm-hmm. right? Um, because discourse is fraught these days. Yeah, I as, think. As you noted, that was part of our our wrestling match, our arm wrestling match that happened. It's just like you were like, you know, everything's so fraught. Everything's just so triggering. And I'm like, yeah, but we got to hold our zone. And it's like. But you weren't even we weren't even in agreement for what we were holding. So in a lot of sense, I was just standing out there with my dick in my hand in the wind, right? Like, and it's like, well, that doesn't do anybody. Any, and I think you're to your point, which is really important, is like, Steve, that's how you go. Not everybody wants to stand out in the middle of the wind with a dick in their hand, right? Like, you seem to be particularly comfortable with this, but Michael is not. And this goes back to those channels. Yeah. It's like because you have a much bigger broadcast. Like, you're gonna be hitting so many people, but yet you still have, you know, Michael views like strong and i know you dude like Mm -hmm. you have very strong opinions just like we just talked for five minutes about whether an 18 watt watt amp amp is better than a 20 watt amp and why it is i mean you have a fucking opinion about that shit right (laughs) and i know in a lot of areas you do but you're also somebody who's been i've always been able to be local i've never felt myself to be global 
But you, on the other hand, are somebody who recognizes and sits in a global space. And maybe that's a little bit of a difference in our ages. You know, you being millennial and me being like Gen X, like Gen Xers are like global and and millennials are global. I think there's like a part two to the Gen X conversation that we had. And I've been, that's another one I've been thinking about a lot. And I find myself on runs when I'm talking, I'm, you know, like we, we should talk about the support local movement mm. and we should talk about um you know d- does that actually exist <laughs> anymore and and what would it entail and i have this theory of why in previous conversations i've been a little bit heated and you know by the topic of like even the mention of like influencers and this type of marketing because i've come to conclusion that it is because you, you know this style of marketing is is it, it works it's a thing it's not going anywhere it's a great avenue for people to take the it, it struck me that that there are professionals in that realm those professionals it would behoove of them to have a widest reach possible and so going with the biggest brands and the coolest brands and the hippest, hottest, kind of like best in show is a big deal. And to have be featured on there, anything from their website hero image to their social media accounts to being associated with a product drop in, in these bigger brands is really cool. Like if you get if you get a seed shoe from prototype from Nike, like all of a sudden you're somebody. It's like you you might just be fast you might not be you know whatever but like that's cool and so you know then you take that as being success in that profession and then you cascade that into the 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 sociology into the consumer zeitgeist and then it's like well being with the biggest people is cool you, you know like that's super cool and i think that you're right it is cool you know what I mean? Like, if 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 Herman Miller wanted to do a collaboration with with a Treyu, <laughs> that would be cool. But they are the biggest and like, you know, iconic designer based furniture. Like that would be cool. But they're still big. It's not like a local artisan shop providing local artisan mid century modern furniture. It's different. That wouldn't have as big of an impact as like the. You know, having like, I think even New Balance did an Eames colorway. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, that's cool. Mm-hmm. But, but what it does to the consumer market, I think over time, and insidious is kind of like a negative word. And this, it's just more of a matter of a fact word. Like, I think it's had an insidious kind of um, perception change into overshadowing the the importance of supporting local and supporting small and supporting and all these things that used to be like the whole collective movement was to do that and and so i think that there's a next level conversation to have between like why for example is the marathon so best in class so disproportionately represented in our culture right yeah and i think it's so maybe it's and it's so hard to get it right. I mean, I would say the fail level at a marathon mm-hmm. is so much higher than the fail level 
in a 5K. Yeah. Because <laughs> the it, vast majority of people coming across the finish line in the, in the 5K are just trying to get across the finish line in the 5K. Yeah. And that's not exactly commerce. That's more of activity. Right. So they're the same thing. They're, they, I yes. see them as, as, as the same type of transaction on a socio kind of um, sociology level, on a zeitgeist level. Mm. And to, so that's that's a fun conversation that we should we should tap into. And, and something that I'd mentioned is that I wasn't expecting this, but there's a new, there's been a new triathlon distance brewing for a mm. while. It's the hundred K and it's like, um, so total volume, total volume, two K swim. I think it's 80 K bike and an 18 or something K or Ooh. no, 20 something K run. So it's Ooh, awesome. It's right on it's the edge. It's lightning fast. Oh yeah. But it's long and your weekends are. That's 15 miles. That's like, it, you know, I think it's like. 12 I think it's, to 15 miles, right? Uh, for the run? Yeah. I, mean, I think the run is like 11 or something. So 20 K would be ele- would be 12.4. So maybe it is 18 K. So that would be right on the cusp, which is a really interesting system that's getting tapped into yeah, that's so, what my critical velocity sits at and it's so like that would weird, be the equivalent of like a cool. 20 mile race how did they come up with those numbers well 100k is round because it's more world oriented did they it's, distribute the, dis, the, the 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 swim bike run in the same as they do across olympic distance I mean, i've never asked that question it's actually interesting olympic is like 1500 uh, swim. This is 2K, so it's a little bit longer, but it's not as I'm just long. wondering about the proportionality. So the proportionality mm-hmm. of a of an Olympic distance versus the proportionality in an Ironman. Are they are they re- are they equal? You know, proportion of oh, swim, yeah. bike, run. That's They're an equal. interesting conversation. When we have that talk, I think we should we should probably I'll go into the to the numbers and figure yeah. that out. But no, it seems this seems more proportional because um, you're spending about 30 some odd minutes in the water about three hours on the bike maybe and then like running a really fast like half marathon ish so an hour an hour and a half hour to hour pretty cool right it's a whole different race and it's actually getting a lot of popularity that's cool and and it would and it gives me by iron man no sweet it's not (laughs) so sweet (laughs) and in in what's interesting about this is like the mental transaction that i have is now it's it's like it's taking the gravitational pull of the full Ironman mm. distance, hundred and you know forty ish, you know, to, and it's taking that kind of legitimizing a half. It's it, basically legitimizing exactly, a half. and it's and they've they've even tied it into the hundred k, which is a a world centric denomination. Mm. Yeah, and the metrics and it's totally. and it's like, and I even told Lena, I was like, man, that could. I could fall in love with that. So it gives me hope for even the marathon. Not that I don't love the marathon, but I think it does take a toll on people past the point of what like a hobby life like might even at that point, you have to be great, naturally talented to like perform it, you know, the highest level of like age group marathoning. But you also have to be, put an abnormal amount of training in yes you you see what i'm saying Mm -hmm. so a shorter distance might fit in the culture of everyday life better like a 20 mile or an 18 mile or like Mm -hmm. a 20 like um something something like that could be really fun if that brewed up that would well they exist but they only exist they like exist as legacies not Mm -hmm. as some unique new thing i love this idea of something unique and new and of course with iron man I mean, excuse me, with the triathlon world, just just that 
just that slip indicates how fucked up it is. Mm -hmm. Because I immediately substitute Mm -hmm. Iron Man for triathlon, which is not real. It's not real. And and not only is it not real, it's destructive. Yeah, I mean, this, and, and I would argue that this less is actually a healthy distance if you have a job and a yes. family and you want to keep your family together, like all that stuff. Well, and then it, it, so it's a nice bridge for the person who wants the epic, who wants some kind of really big, big challenge, your, your age grouper who wants a big challenge, but not so like life altering that you can't still be a business owner or a, a business person, a husband, a wife, a, a, a parent and all these other, you know, all these other things like being an Ironman athlete and, and then the half iron just to sort of like, Oh, the first step, the step up. And, you know, in my, and in distance running, the half distance is the bastard stepchild. It's the most competed in event. More people are running half marathons than running five Ks in the world for, for whatever reason. Well, because it's the step forward because, and then it, and it dis, it disrespects the 13.1 mile distance. Mm -hmm. It disrespects the process that the athletes are going through in terms of what they're looking at and how they're doing it. And it's just like half my Ironman training is not representative of what Ironman training is. It's also people get this idea. Oh, I just ran three, one third, many. I know a lot of people. I work with a lot of people who can run one thirty for the half. They cannot run three ten for the marathon. Right, I know. Well, because it, because <laughs> it also takes another level of commitment and time and sacrifice. Different energy systems, to, different time, exactly. different like all these. Other you know, things. and the cool thing that I think running could borrow from this new triathlon movement that is clearly happening and it is clearly you know has a gravitational force is they've put competition into it. So not only do you can you kind of find a way to synchronize it with like. I think it's possible to synchronize a shorter distance with like the quality of your life, mm-hmm. but also you don't have to sacrifice if you want to compete. So what they've done, the pursuit, you don't have to change. Exactly, you can be. It's an authentic pursuit, mm-hmm. a truly authentic pursuit. And so what yeah. they've done is they've even made like a circuit, which is like, and then you can be ranked. That's awesome. in the circuit and and even as an age grouper, you can kind of gun for that top spot. I'm like, oh my God, like if running had a 15 mile race circuit that had a race in every major city, like in the US, and then at the end of it, like they had a big old award ceremony and a leaderboard and all that stuff. I think that would be a healthy mix of pursuit and the kind of the, the, the quality of life that, that could give. I think, I think it, I just think that there's a, there's a possibility there that, that it has to be kind of an organization that that kind of comes up and and kind of sees it through or else it'll be an epic or a legacy race yeah a one-off kind of a thing it's a super interesting idea i love that i love that this is for some weird reason i guess it was because your guitar playing i just hit record right away yeah because i was like we'll just see what happens and i think you noticed it and so it's like oh shit here we go yeah but what look what we got out of that? I know. Like, I think it. Well, I think it has everything cool. to talk about. It like, does big t- for the pursuit a transition. And it's it. Today we're talking about you. You brought the topic up, and I'm I'm actually generally interested in where your where your mind goes with it because you talk a lot about pursuit. You have another podcast with pursuit in the name. No, no, no. Purpose. I mean, purpose. Yeah. yeah. Um. Sorry about that. But yeah. yeah. So purpose, and and it's like I'm literally in the midst of recalibrating my purpose and. And kind of understanding what that means. I'm reading the Rick Rubin book, mm-hmm. and I've decided that this isn't my last triathlon. 
it might be, but to to deem it as the last would just be like, why would you even put a you? rock in the future and just say it it's is? It's the last for the next foreseeable future. It, well, it is. It is what it's it is. It's a command performance. It's, you're allowing it to be a command performance. You're not. You're not looking forward to some other future thing that just sort of cobbles it all together. Well, the question right? is, what is the purpose? Right. You know, what is the purpose today? What is the purpose tomorrow? What's the purpose with our jobs? What's the purpose with like mixing our jobs in with the physical life? Like to me, that is, it's something that, that, you know, it's a huge amount of time understanding what that is because we get lost in the pursuit. And I think that the purpose gets overshadowed. This is this. Thank you for making that transition. Well, before I start off on some little riff, I just want to say this is your topic. You've mentioned at least twice in multiple conversations, we need to circle back Mm -hmm. to this discussion of capital P purpose. So Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that it's just you. I'm saying together, what I did was I've been listening to our podcasts a little bit to try to get better at at curating, recording, yeah. you know, doing all that stuff, thinking about what we're doing. Like mm-hmm. there be there are now conversations, but I feel a little more responsible for what the purpose of our podcast yeah. is. Mm-hmm. Like who are we reaching to and what are we trying to reach with? Most importantly, this is really important because, you know, like we said 2 weeks ago we were, we didn't record a a really foundational conversation between the two of us about who we are as men as human beings right and where we sit in the world in general and it was heated and beautiful and wonderful and it was like purposeful mm-hmm. to our long-term discussions that where we go forward in my opinion yeah yeah and so to it's, it's like i think it's a good time to bring this up and another reason why i think it's good is because a lot of people as you mentioned the simon Sinek book the, the idea of capital P purpose has definitely been in the zeitgeist now for at least just before the pandemic and then going through the pandemic. Yeah. And so it seems to be a good thing for us as, as talking about what a running practice would look like generally. And if we're going to steal the culture to saying, let's balance the pursuit with a practice then getting clear on the other big P would be really useful and helpful. And I think there's a good, it's a good timing for it, especially as somebody who myself has gone very hard in the paint in the purpose arena. Mm-hmm. I got trained in a, a particular schooling around purpose training. When I left Rogue and left the Rogue Running podcast, I felt like so much of what Chris and I were doing in that podcast was really dealing around people's purposes. And we were occasionally operating in the other P, which is the psychotherapist role, without any training whatsoever. And so I felt like, oh my God, if I'm going to be talking about these kind of ultimate aims, these, these like what matters to a human being, then, you know, just cavalierly discussing how they're going to get trials qualified when they're not even broken three hours yet, it seems to be a little bit, like, it's a little bit off. Yeah. And and that's not Chris's fault, my fault, Rogue's fault, any or the podcast fault. It was just more like after I got a time to step back from it, I'm like, so where do I sit? So that's my purpose journey was like, what do we really mean by it? And as I've gone down this journey more and more, Michael, my recognition is this and this is where we, we talked about this in another episode where I tried to bring forward the idea of style. Mm-hmm. What I kind of feel like now, any human being's capital P purpose really is just so, like you said, it, like you mentioned, it's hard. 
It's hard to put your arms around. It's hard to get around. But when I, I bet, and I've spent a lot of time thinking about this and discussing it and putting it out there, I have a feeling that it potentially, a, a, a potential replacement for purpose could be a capital S style. And that's that you've got some kind of unique vision, unique sense of your own skill sets, vision, goals, interests, communities, um, connections that end up percolating into something that we typically call a style or a vibe, mm -hmm. right? And that just seems to be easier to get your arm around. Yeah, and it's so open-ended because it would assume that everybody has their own purpose, which is fundamentally different from anybody else's purpose. Yeah, the cosmic or style or whatever. It's yeah. infinite. Yes. Whereas the pursuit and these and what we seem to be revolving around, which is the the kind of the foundational elements that that kind of point us in a direction in within the sport being a Boston qualifier, you know, your first 5K, whatever it is, those seem to be very finite. Like there's, there's like, a, there's like kind of like a few of them. Like you could probably, there are probably a hundred pieces of pursuits that any runner could probably come off with the top of their head. You know, I want to do this. I want to travel to, to this you mean place. purposes. You keep I think you're, do you mean pursuit or do you? No, mean I mean pursuit okay, on cool. that one, like goal oriented things yes. in uh -huh. running. Right. Where, where like you could, you could probably pull, you know, nine out of 10 runners and they will probably give you a big list that overlaps. But if you were to really get down to what my purpose is or my style, it probably will have a different shade of, you know, meaning than anybody else's and I think that that when you're trying to extract that then I think that I, th I think that maybe from a still the culture back standpoint the culture seems to be def defined by a lot by the kind of um, the the kind of consolidated mix of the goals as opposed to extracting everybody's style mm. and and to me that that hit really hard you know it's been like you, you know i i tend to get very myopic about the goals and and i have in the past but like lately i've been like really focusing on just living like a a better life you know a joyous life and not a stressed life and that's changed the goals like completely so it's weird it's weird to me that that it's taken so long to even kind of come to terms or get brutally honest with like what my actual style is or purpose is. And I think that that takes time and it takes training and it takes the, yeah, and all Yeah, it's interesting that it starts to layer, stack and layer. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, you know, when you, when you see geology in its raw form, mm -hmm. right? And you watch period after period and each of them is a little bit there's a there's a window of time it's like your style will be one thing for a while and there'll be another thing for a while and it'll be another thing for a while but it's entirely purposeful right mm -hmm. it works within that um and maybe for framing to give you know me i always like to try to create some kind of frame here uh you might think of purpose with a capital p as kind of being i tend to think that most of us are viewing it as ultimate 
like some kind of like like one in a sense. Yeah, it's easy to get lost in thinking like this is but where that if it's one, it quickly becomes goal oriented and overwhelming. Yeah. And and myopic like you said. Like it gets and and I think that's why when I work with people, I mean I spent, you know, a year and a half doing purpose guide work, right? I stopped doing it because I was like, I don't know that I really, I'm not sure that I buy into the entire idea of purpose. I think it's more personal style, right? Mm-hmm. But but the I, I think that's the place that's the rub here that I'm interested in is like, at what point does purpose become detrimental to a vibrant and varied and diverse experience? And when does it become sort of like a like a monolithic view that then you have to fit in rather than growing. But yet it seems to also need, we seem to need as human beings, this ultimate purpose. Like, like, like I think, I think somebody said some point in time, like if we didn't have a God, humans would have made him up. <laughs> you know? Like we have this deep need to some, have some kind of ultimate purpose, but we don't live that way. Very and why much. put it into something as you know kind of understandable as running yes you see so like and the big question is do you get to choose purpose and do you get to choose style i would argue that choosing your style is more of a work of art than trying to choose your 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 purpose almost like it's it's easier to kind of say like this i think is who i am i'm gonna do that Instead of saying like, I've decided that this is the ultimate reason that I exist, you know, or why we exist or why humanity exists and why we've chosen to do this running stuff. You know, it's like, or you can be kind of like a a secular runner, you know, (laughs) that's cool too. If you're, if you're that, but like, you can probably find a lot of what you need on the forums and shit for that. (laughs) And, and, but given the fact that I do think that there's friction in between uh, purpose and style, and I think style might be an easier thing to grapple with. Yeah, I kind of, you know, you and I have used this analogy a few times, or this, this, um, how do we say, it? archetypal story: uh, the difference between the hero's journey and the fool's journey. Mm-hmm. And I think, in a lot of ways, for me, the hero's journey is a purpose, capital P, purpose mm-hmm. journey, and the fool's journey is a style, capital S, style journey. And I just find, I guess maybe it come like, because I came from a monolithic worldview, you know, and my my whole upbringing was in was submitting to that worldview in such a way that then I always have this tinge of purpose there's yeah i have a sense of rebelliousness against it because i'm because i i feel it's not like really authentic but because that was born in me i have this god-shaped void ultimately that i have to admit if i've had a few too many beers or Mm -hmm. it's late in the evening and all the world is coming down around my ears heavy in that regard because it's singular and and it carries a lot have i done it or am i doing it or am i not doing it and it it carries a lot of fucking weight it carries a lot of weight you can fall on your face with style and just get back pick up. up Yeah. But yet, but yet, then what we're one of the things we're arguing in this podcast consistently is that's the most appropriate way to run. Like it doesn't do very well. Running doesn't really work particularly well with a monolithic capital P purpose mm-hmm. heroic journey view, right? Mm-hmm. Um, as I like to say, man 
plans, God laughs. Humans plan, God laughs. It's like, good luck with that because, what, okay, let's just say this. If you have a purpose, likely it's something that's already baked into your model from a worldview perspective that you're still working your way through, okay? Not something you're like necessarily saying, okay, there's a, there is a model for this. So a Christian would never say that they were God. They would say they were working in relationship to be more God-like or more Christ-like or more whatever-like. But to be one with that is, a, is really, really a heresy. Um, and what we're saying, I'm, I'm not, I'm not mm -hmm. worried, but one of the things I'm thinking about from the style perspective is like, that's pretty heavy. doesn't really help us very much in the day-to-day -day operations, especially those of us who are post-monolithic, teleological worldview focus. We're more like, well, I can't really do anything about that big giant thing, but I can control what I do. Like I can't really save the world, but I can recycle, right? Like, like and recycling for someone may be a style for them, right? Like they're, they're into it. Like people are into macrame and people are into, you know, indie rock or lo-fi. Like, okay, mm -hmm. let's just take that. If you bring lo-fi into somebody's experience who like my seven-year-old who listens to Taylor Swift, Katy Perry, and Lady Gaga, pretty much ad nauseum. Mm -hmm. When I pull in a lo-fi, the first thing she does, like somebody like Waxahachie, who's not necessarily lo-fi, right? But she's like playing a singer-songwriter thing through a smaller amp and not trying to be like blast out all the channels and do all these things. Her first statement is, ooh, I don't like. But then she's like, oh, this is another girl who's speaking maybe more lie language. And then interest shows up. Like, so both of them are styles. Just one is a more monolithic style that's pushed in a certain direction. I don't know. I'm getting a little in the weeds here. But I, I just think it's so, this conversation is essential. Yeah. I, I'm not saying we're going to mm -hmm. come to, we're not going to, I don't think we're going to be prescriptive at the end of this one. I think it's going to be, Hey guys, like let's continue to wrestle with this kind of idea. Like, do you want a capital P purpose? Do you want more of a style or how do you feel about it? Where do you sit with it? Because it should be an ongoing conversation. Those people who have a very strong capital P purpose based on their worldview. Well, my argument is to lean into that really heavily because this will, your style will uniquely make that better those of us who don't have a capital P purpose necessarily, or, or if it's really, really generic or sort of loose, then maybe we can lean more into our individual parts of that and see how that plays out. Um, anyway, I don't know where, I where think you go with that. Th th I go with it the same place as if you say running is a practice and then you have the nested goals within it. I think that there's a relationship between style and purpose that is probably going to, to, but I think, I think purpose would transcend the myopic kind of goal-oriented um, details of running culture, whereas style can be fused. Accommodates it. Yeah, it accommodates it quite well. And if you, I think from a training perspective, that if you were to take a look at your personal style and you were to say, um, even acknowledge something that is as easy as my style, um, you know, it just stat for stat. Let's get five runners who run their goal times in their marathons and best each one by a couple seconds versus one runner who 
gets it one out or five runners who get get it one out of five times and miserably fail the other four, you might but then see, jump five minutes. You know, you might minutes. see uh, a delineation between um, from a cultural standpoint that one is either you know more accepted than the other or whatever. But I think in general, I think the the, the most important part would be to kind of get deeply acquainted with what your personal style is. My style is typically going for four failures and one huge win, Mm -hmm. especially during racing, not during training. So, you know, and I I think that at the end of those races, you, you know, if you recognize that, then it's healthy. If you don't recognize that, which I have failed to recognize my personal style in some of those events, then I have felt like a failure. Mm. Whereas if you're recognizing and honing in and kind of like really taking, taking inventory of that personal style, you go, all right, maybe the next one will be different. And you brush it off and you see it as a win, so to speak, in kind of the, the, the grand scheme of things. But I think first is like actually taking time to, to recognize that. And it, sometimes I've heard coaches say, you know, it's okay if you come up short or some coaches try and always say like, be conservative and create a race plan. And the goal is to kind of like work your way up or, you know, but it's like, maybe there's a, a third route, which is, or an alternative route, which is really coaching and understanding, um, or being kind of like a guide to extract that kind of awareness out of the athlete that says, that, that helps people feel comfortable in their own shoes. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a whole lot in what you just said, mm-hmm. <laughs> a whole lot. I'd like to step back two episodes where we talked about the grind. Mm-hmm. And I do think, um, what we, I just did a recording for my Telos crew on that episode because I felt like there were so many wonderful things that I could extract specific to the style I use, the system I use for Telos that I didn't articulate in that conversation because it was generated for a worldwide global audience that's not in my system. Mm -hmm. Um, But I wanted to then take it and go look at, okay, grind has contexts. Like there's all these, there's five or six different contexts and I broke it all down in a lot of interesting ways. But just to to distill all that back to this conversation. You're saying that it was context meaning there are some like you could discern between black and white. Like this is like, uh, you know, like this is this is one thing that's the... Yeah, let me give the, give me give you the examples because they're, they're front of mind. Oh, okay. One is seasonality, right? Like there's a season for a grind mm-hmm. and that is a three to six month window, which we discuss in that. But I didn't really highlight that. I just said, hey, there's this thing, but I didn't highlight it. So I narrowed that down for them. Then I said, there's a cycle, which is a three week cycle. I mentioned that two weeks up, one week down, how I designed that. That's important for people in my system to understand that that's happening. Then there's a there's a like a... Like a, like a workout type, which is a steady run, which, or a mixed workout, like the Michigan that I do, mm-hmm. which is like a little bit of steady and a little bit of race specific and a little steady and a little race specific. So there's a, there's a kind of, and, and that, those grinds are going to be needed to be adjusted for those kinds of situations. Then there's the pace related thing, like 5k pace and 10k pace and half marathon pace and critical, like for critical velocity, that's a very unique kind of grind for a very unique purpose. And then there's volume around it, which is 
Some people are running 45 miles a week. Some people are running 100 yeah, miles a yeah. week. So the, the grind, will, the, all those- You put con- all those together, you have a training plan. Correct. And the, and the, but the grind is needed for each individual athlete to get that grind right for their personal thing. And my job as a guide, as a coach, is why I am a guide and not a coach. It's like I've got a plan, but the real magic is in making it unique to their- style of grind the grind that most pulls out of them the best performance which does sit in a big capital p purpose perspective Mm -hmm. as an overarching thing but for some people they're not comfortable with that because it has all the smackings of a fucking misogynistic patriarchal god Mm -hmm. and so they don't want to go there and they're and we're we're now so inundated with a postmodern viewpoint like a very rousseauian everything's okay nothing's real everything's a blank slate it's a dangerous it's a it's a dangerous political conversation i'm not going to go down that but it's a very big place it's why you didn't want to talk about politics because mm-hmm. it's super dangerous because there's traditionalists and postmodernists and these different views are right now at at each other's throats to try to figure out who's going to be supreme but i think they're actually going on internally too because mm-hmm. we're soaking in these cultural constructs ourselves trying to make sense and if we don't have a capital p giant patriarchal slash kind of mystical or some kind of religious system that's already implementing the capital P part of it, then we got to work it out ourselves. And what I'm saying is, hey, this running is a great place to do all this crazy mm-hmm. shit. If you, what, I have a few athletes who we've been working on purpose for, for two years. One of my athletes, Ryan, he's been with me for two or three years. Every time we meet, he's like, I got to work a little bit more on my purpose. Mm-hmm. To me, that's like he's trying to get good with his God, with mm-hmm. his running God, and that's appropriate. I don't know that any, this is why I had to stop being a purpose guide. I don't think it's appropriate to talk about capital P purpose mm-hmm. unless somebody has one that they've imported to their running from their worldview. If that's the case, use it 100%. And to not use it makes me sick to my stomach and I have a very hard time with. If you're a Zoroastrian, if you're a Muslim, if you're a Christian, use the God that you, whatever it is, whatever your view, if you're a Taoist, if you're a Confucian, that does Buddhist stay consistent because it won't hold up on race day if you're not consistent in your capital P purpose. But many of us, Michael, most of us, I think, especially middle-class white America, we are a little bit lost in terms of our ultimate purpose. (laughs) And that's one of the reasons why we run. And so use this model of style as a way for you to make your way and if that doesn't hold up, then look to um, various worldview models, religious models, whatever works for you, or community-based models, whatever work will hold up that capital P purpose for you. But I'm not sure running, honestly, is supposed to have a capital P purpose. I don't know that for sure. Maybe mm-hmm. in a year or two years, in my journey of this process of basically helping people as athletes and then helping people as people and then trying to help them with purpose work and then coming back to working with athletes again. I've jaded now on the capital P purpose as a sense that you said, Hey, we should talk about this, but in that Simon Sinek way that it's like actually literally instead of his name is S I N E K I'm saying C Y N I C. Like we're a little cynical about that. Why? Because in our worldviews for most middle-class people, we if we don't come from a religious tradition, we are cynical because we don't really have any giant P purpose in our world. So how is that ever going to be relative in our running space? It's not going to hold up because running's not designed to do that. It's a path with heart, but it is a moving path. It's not a monolithic structure of meaning. It's the meaning is in the doing in the each and everything like we talked about with Ryan last week. 
Anyway, I don't know where that no, takes no. you, where that where that sends you, but though that's kind of where I sit with this capital P purpose. And again, as I said, I did go pretty hard in the pain on this. I did get, I did spend a good bit of money and had some specific training around it. It wasn't psychoanalytical training, but it was around how do you how do human beings form purpose? And at the end of the day, what they really got into the most was was internal family systems psychotherapy stuff, which is like we have all these parts which are basically archetypal or little gods or whatever you want to call it. It's like, and then I'm like, well, wait, wait, that doesn't really help. That's just helping people in the moment. And, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I do think in order for us to have a capital P purpose, we probably need to have a little bit more life experience if it's going to be really hold water for us. Unless we've adopted one that has worked for us because of significant conversion experiences or traumatic experiences or lived life experiences like my mother who grew up in a faith and she stayed with it her whole life and it continues to just I mean my, it's just, I've said this before it's just like her Christian walk everywhere she steps flowers bloom I mean it's so beautiful but if I tried to do that I'd be stomping on all the flowers around it I'd be like trying to make you know what I mean it's, mm -hmm. it's weird yeah it's you know is it are you are you getting to the point where you think running is so let me let me ask you this is is it is it a it's easy for me to think like is it secular is is running is running to what do, what does running serve in the, in the big picture here then like, is it, is it a way to, is it, is it just one of the many, um, ways that people can, can, can live, you know, and, and supplement their movement practice in general, it, you know, how does it relate? Is it the same thing as, is a rec volleyball league? It, you know, you see what I'm saying? Um, is it, is it, is it, is it, is it are you saying that we've placed an importance on running that might be over um, amplified on some particular frequency and under amplified on others? Yeah, so that's a great question. And I don't know that I'll have a clear answer that will be working it through one or the other. But I do think two things I can stand firm in, um, and that is everyone's coming at it from a different place. So therefore, it would be really hard to give it any, um, it, it, it's not asking for any specialness, right? It, yet it seems to continue to be special with everybody who continues to do it, right? But it's not making any grand claims. The only person making grand claims about it is me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so I'm, is, and it, I'm, is it safe to assume that if you walk into, if you want to create art, you walk into a, a, to, to an art store, is running uh, a canvas and is curling a, a piece of wood and and people walk in as people and they just they start they they find what they're is it just a medium i think it, it i think yes yes um but it's also a path with heart so that what i mean by that is it's a safe place for to be either, but eventually it's going to grab you by the jugular. In terms of the... Um, it's going to become a practice. Yeah. 
It's going to be something that you use to help you process the challenges of life, to check out, sometimes to be deeply, to deeply go, to go more deeply into experiences in your life. Sometimes it's to check the fuck out of the things in your life. Sometimes it's to be ferociously competitive. Sometimes it's to get to be as anti-competitive as humanly possible. And any many other kinds of experiences that people might have are available, which then brings, in my sense of bringing it full circle back to your analogy of like, it's both because it can handle it. And so that's why I think of it as more of a path it's a practice like I think meditation is. Meditation is not going to enlighten you. The reality, whatever reality is, will enlighten you, assuming there is an idea of enlightenment. But the, Buddha, the Zen Buddhist path is not privileging the path. Let's just sit the fuck down mm. in front of a rock and a beautiful garden and do it over and over and over and over and over and over. The meditation is the path to open up reality. And I think that that's what's happening for people. And because we're so, it, lost is a strong word. I do agree with many of these folks that think that maybe the spe human species, especially the Western version, Western version of it is a little bit lost. I do think we're struggling um, under a loss of religious background that we used to have for many, 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 many centuries as a species. And kind of- And as, we don't have a new, and we don't have anything that will scratch that itch. If you take like, I think the 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 goals and the pursuit of something as you know something is which tends to cascade into politics and stuff which is like USA and you take like a group or a confined you know place in the world and it's it I think that we're so um we're so rifted on what the pursuit is or the goals are or right now we have, you know you talk to one person it's completely different than the, than the other person so yeah for somebody it's to get trump time. elected for somebody else is to get biden elected for somebody yeah, yeah. else it's for it's yeah. for veg veganism for another person it's like for being like fully carnivore it's like yeah like that is not i don't really think that's that's not tribally effective and we are evolved from tribes mm-hmm Right. So we are evolved from small units that around 7000 B.C. started to civilize and get into smaller groups. But our brain is still going through the uptick of evolutionary process that will allow us to effectively be there. And tribal stuff is much more. Don't fucking cross that line. If you come into my space, I'm going to kill you. You know, so but we're still our hardwiring the way our brains work, the way our nervous systems work, it's like we're learning how to do that effectively. It's like I do think this is a deep interest of mine. It's like civilization um, is both championed unnecessarily but also ridiculed unnecessarily. Um, and then indigeneity or primitiveness or indigeneity is both privileged and then like negated depending on the time and the era of where we're at. But within us as human beings are both the civilized and the primitive, both the, the cosmopolitan and the indigenous tribe unique grouping, right? And these pieces are 
something that's happening in running is like we're kind of linking up with all of these things like in weird ways. And I think running is just one potential pathway for determining your individual way of being in the world. And because you do it relatively consistently, if you listen to this podcast, then I'm assuming you either have run really, really, really consistently for an extended period of time and you're interested in it, or you do participate in this in a consistent. And so therefore what I'm saying is maybe we step back from the capital P purpose, big picture, and maybe step into the stylistic version of it and then see what happens. And then maybe come into communities of people we trust who hold similar tribal values to try to see, is there something bigger we can make from this? And does it matter? I mean, I've, I think about this a lot. Could running be a religion? Mm-hmm. And my current statement is fuck no. Humans would need to evolve to it. There's no, there's no way for. But it, it could to point be, to a, a value, which oh, is, yes. which is getting in touch with, you know, nature Your as opposed body. to kind of being inundated. Like it blows my mind these days that when people, I mean, if you know how to use like Microsoft Excel, you can probably get a job where all you do is sit in front of a computer oh, yeah. and work remote, do the things. And it blows my mind like how many jobs right now in maybe all over the world. But like when I think about people I know and it, a lot of it's not manual labor anymore. Like for, in Louisiana it was, but it even that's becoming more where oil and gas industries it's like you can sit in front of a be an operator and it's like sit in front of a computer all day and watch the lines you know make sure there's no red lights that go off and and i just think that we've become so sedentary and attached to the digital world which is fine but running is it does have a value which is getting us more attuned with with nature which can which can lead to um the more people who do it the more people who are attuned with nature and are attuned with and if you even go that far you can probably assume that if you believe in and that the universe will deliver and some things <laughs> like that then you can kind of say well it is a way to tap into to that mm-hmm. to that and whereas that might not be you know religion worthy you know <laughs> you know it is a tactic worthy to kind of get into to a bigger a bigger idea and i i think it doesn't, you're right. It's like an is and it isn't. It doesn't have to necessarily be the purpose of running, but it is a tactic to, if you, if you want to treat it that way. And I actually think that it's more fruitful when you, when you can see it as that because our society is so sedentary. Well, you move from concept to embodiment. Mm -hmm. You move from purely head or, or what we call mind head. We, we situated in the brain we use the brain a lot mm-hmm. for languaging, um, but it's really mind that we're talking about. But we seem to be mostly taking because you know um, some of this is just evolutionary. I mean, we've got eyes, our our sight, our smell, our taste, our hearing. Four of the major, most important senses we have are happening in a tiny little piece of real estate. Yeah, and then we limit our resources. We limit our being in our bodies consistently because of a way to make a living. And we isolate people and then we use a screen so we conceptualize things. We're making little 
icons of things that aren't real things. So somebody who's waiting for a, a, li a red light to go off or an alarm to go off, that's an actual machine that's operating somewhere doing big things like moving a turbine or pumping oil out of the ground or something else. But what they're seeing on their screen is an icon, is a version of it, not a, not reality, just a thing. But yeah. if they have to go down there and get into that muck and mess and making the turbine work and all those other things, they're going to get a different experience of it. This is what running does. Yeah, It exactly. gets us out of our head and into our bodies in a way that then checks us, checks our concepts, checks our views, checks our values, checks our ways that we're responding. It's like the the the, the Stoics talk about um, a view from above where you take a little window of time to check your uh, your subjective feeling states that you used over a 24-hour window or a 12-hour window of being awake and then looking at it and going, how did I do? Let me try to be a little bit of objective, little bring a little objectivity to my subjective experience. And that view from above then allows you to triangulate appropriately to come back. So the concept, I'm not against concepts, but what's really important is, is bring them down into our bodies. And this is where I think, you know, what Ryan talked about last week was we have a, we have a loneliness epidemic in the world because of all these things we're talking about that have isolated us. Yeah. But running does this a beautiful thing of it brings us into our bodies. And then his argument was like, it goes even further because he did make a bold claim. I didn't mention this. I mentioned it in our email to each other, but I didn't actually mention it in our conversation because mm -hmm. we got so excited about so many other things. Mm -hmm. But he did make a bold claim, which was like, like we evolved to run together. And I wasn't entirely sure I agreed with the together part, but I know what he's pointing at. And I think he's pointing at a provocation, at a provoking us, provoking us to say, hey, you can do it in your body by yourself and you'll get a lot out of it. There's a lot of value there. But when you do it with other people, you have to relate to other people in real mm -hmm. ways. Like you have to smell their breath. Like you have to smell their stink. They fart around you. They talk about bad stuff. You see their real life. They don't hide. I mean, you go for a two hour run with a person and you're going to know their politics by the end of the run. Mm-hmm. You're just not going to know. You're going to know what they smell like. You're mm. going to know what they taste like. You're going to know something about them much more deeply than we ever would in a Zoom meeting or even in a church pew mm. because we're all sort of kowtowing to the priest's version of what it is we're supposed to believe and how we're supposed to believe it. And then how do we bring that out? And the one thing about running that I think is so beautiful is you have to, it plays out in the real world, even on a treadmill. It still is embodied, but even better in the natural I setting. Think it, I think there's an essence to getting out into the natural world. Like even cities are nature though. Yeah, I agreed. Right. And, and it hit me the other day. I was like, why am I so unhappy at work a lot of the time? Mm. And it's because it's because I realized that a win at work and a loss at work is exactly the same. <laughs> Because I'm sitting in front of a computer looking at the win stat. Wow. And I'm sitting at a computer looking at the loss stat. And I'm like, I'm literally doing the same thing as a win and a loss. It's how I feel about the number on the computer. Or it's how I feel about like the launch of a new product or being overshadowed by other people's marketing and all that stuff. And it's like, what's the difference between winning? It would be the exact same act. And and I think to, like that's where I... I I don't know why I exactly started a run club. And then I was like, after our conversation with Ryan, I was like, I, I know why I did it because I wanted work to be more. Mm. So that's why it has the Atreyu name. It's like, we also stand for more. It's about getting out, meeting people and doing stuff and cool and design. It, yeah. It's like high quality product. I mean, you guys do stand for so many things that I know are like true universe, true values. That but you it hold. all seems to be, is it, is it mind or is it body? 
and you know so much of of what we can do is 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 in our mind and if we just shut that off and we experience the body and, and get into the natural world then that's that's about as good as it gets and that's that's the style that that commerce will never deliver it, you know like it just won't it, it, there's no I mean, there could, it might have symptoms of some real world body stuff, like a new product into the market that does cool things, whatever. But like the stats mean nothing to the body. It's just the perception of it. So I think, again, you know, commerce and running are a lot alike. Commerce, you know, the successful sale or a successful marathon both has a number attached to it but how'd the body feel about it i mean you know me that's my ultimate Mm -hmm. i'm not going to go into this topic because it's one that is front of mind for me i don't i am curious is the most open way to say it um i'm curious how much there is this duality between mind and body Um, because every single thing that most um, humans I know, most Americans at least let's say, that I know are using the idea of mind as a placeholder um, for a dual a duality that doesn't exist because everything is done through the body so the mind, many people were situated, as I said before, up in the head because of the sense organs. But really, where is mind and what the fuck is mind? But I'm not going to go down yeah, that no, road. Yeah, it makes I'm, sense. I'm not going to go down that road too to, far. It's easy to create two fields of the perception of running, which is the, what my body did equals something for my mind versus what my body did equals something for my body. Yeah, I think it's incredible. You see what I'm saying? I'm 100%. And, and it's I- like we we tend to, the culture I would think is, is so much mental as opposed to physical. And understand, if you're looking at it from an educational standpoint or getting in touch with the natural world or your body or whatever all that stuff is, I think that a lot of what we do has a direct line that points from the body to the mind. How do you feel about the thing that you did but versus, that feeling is still a, is still an embodied state it is we until have just you se- let until you like the our cultural construct has created a separate space for it right mm-hmm. that dualizes it that places it separate and i do think ultimately we're not going to solve that problem but what i but one of my visions of the world is to start at least note it and say see if you can push that down into the body can you find well, a to place me where that's where it? the you, you at the highest level style you get two choices and that's it's like where do you point the body to because running doesn't exist without running yeah it's interesting <laughs> you, you know so it's like you don't just i mean being like, human doesn't exist without yeah being your body being in the body so <laughs> like it doesn't so far i mean it, we're working on that style but. when you're making a style choice it's safe to assume that possibly you have two very high level choices and where you want to point the body to do you want to cash it in the mind or do you want to cash it in the body and 
And from there, you can start to bring on all types of, that's like the lines, you know, you can color that in however you want. Like Rick Rubin said in his book, like to me, that's the foundational kind of choice you might get to make. Like, is this for the physical or for the mental? You know, there could be a little bit of both tied in and I'm sure like shades in between, but, but, but to make that awareness that there even is that choice of style, I think is one that people will go years without even thinking about that. And that seems to be the problem is that where, uh, in terms of letting the mind over eclipse the body and like kind of take over the culture and, and lead us into more of a world of commerce and running culture than running culture and running culture, you know, is, is, is like this ability to not prompt people on an individual level to kind of, Hey, think about this, make your decision on that. Where would you like to take it? What brings you joy? What fits in with your family? Like what's in your gut? It, you know, the little, the little things like that. And I would say that nobody ever asked me if my effort was being cashed mentally or physically. And I think if I would have been asked that in the very beginning, I would have had a deeply personal relationship with the natural world and running. And a lot of, you know, I think that, that it, probably would offer some extreme benefits at the onset to kind of understand what that transaction looks like. Have you ever watched people dance? Oh yeah, man, I can't. So I get, I get really jealous about people who can. But when you watch people dance, even when they're dancing the same dance, like the Macarena or line dance Mm -hmm. or even two-stepping, like they're all different. And I said, I can't dance. That's you, what I'm talking about. Yes. Because I cash the dance into the mind instead of the body. And I, what I say, I don't say that anymore. I used to say that, but I don't say that anymore. What I say is, I'm not a very good dancer, but I'm enthusiastic. Yeah. Because I just, and what I, by saying that, what I mean is, I love to dance. I don't do it in a public very often because my style is not currently recognized as a as a uh, as a cool version of it and i'm a little too up in my head about what coolness is but as i get older i give less and less fucks about that and more and more and i guess this is where we're at with this style thing is like yes the mind part plays a really big piece of it but be wary where your mind stops you from allowing some natural the universe playing through you the creative element this rick's book goes into this a lot mm-hmm. It's just the universe wanting to play its song through your body. Yeah. And running is this, all movement practices, yoga, this is what their main point is. Curling. Curling. It's a very, seems to me like, I I like playing shuffleboard and shit. Tai Chi. Pool. Yeah. When you watch people play pool, we always, we're looking at pool and going, oh, people who have really disciplined, really, really, really like physics based styles do well. But the person who can then take the physics and turn it into their own unique particular way of doing it creates more beauty. And we see this in, you watch Jakob Engerbrechtsen and Yara Nagus, two guys in the Olympics, 1500 meter, along with Jake Whiteman. There's a lot of guys here, you, Hobbs Kessler, who just beat Jake Whiteman also. I mean, I'm just talking to those, those track fans out there, especially those in the 1500 yeah. world. Like we've got, these, we've got these real players, Josh Kerr, who just won the world championships. These guys, not only do they have a unique 
biomechanical style. They have a unique competitive style. They have a unique way of handling start lines. You remember Usain Bolt? Everybody was so in love with Usain Bolt because he smiled and pointed and did all these things. He, he, he had a unique style that was not valued. I mean, I personally think Carl, Carl Lewis was more in the Bolt vibe, but because Leroy Burrell was like a stoic and everybody had to be serious, he, Carl, Carl Lewis had to be serious. I mean, the dude, the dude had a fucking hit song in Japan. Like, the dude is not a stoic, all right? He is a dancer, flamboyant, fun, exciting guy, but because he thought that the culture, but now our culture is allowing so many different stylistic impulses. We just watched the Olympic trials. Connor Manson, his buddy. From, and they're different, but the same. They come yeah. from, they're, they're Mormons. They come I would from like a very similar ask, worldview, would, but they've got unique styles and ways of being. It's like, this is what I want people to recognize. You can play your way of being as a human being through this, and that might be an Well, I'd like purpose. to know. I think that would be a fun conversation to get, like, these guys down, you know, all the greats. You, you know, you have, like, all the greats in every sport, technology, all this stuff, and just be like Elon Musk, all these people, and just sit them down and be like, where do you cash your experience? Is that What's like, your style? Like, what's your style? Like, are you pointing to what... Like, do you do this? I've determined... Like, I've, I, I called my brother the other day, and I was like, uh, Elon Musk is not a businessman. He's not. This is his sport. It's all based off of, you know, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. This is a childhood thing for him. This is all style. He makes commerce work for him so that he can do what he needs to do. Like I was like, that's my, that's my current assumption because he's fascinating. You don't have to like him or, you know, whatever. It, you know, and but I'm like, to study these these folks at the top, I'd like to get like numbers on. Are they doing this because they're playing? You know, Kipchoge like how much of the mental is burdening them as opposed to it just being something that they've like owned critically to their process, their, their life there. It's an interesting one. It's like the question to uncover kind of the motivation behind these people would be so fun to me. You know, it's like Michael Jackson, you know, he, there are some people that were pushed into it, via their family and stuff and they had natural talent and everything like that but how much of how much of the the earth movers like the the, the ground breakers the iconoclasts and all these the, the elite like how much is I'd love to know the split of of uh, who did it because they thought that they needed to do it and who did it because they knew in their body that they needed to do it yeah, it's so interesting. I do think you're you you've hit on a model for us to use, not Elon Musk necessarily, but mm -hmm. more um, the creative giant and basically taste, not maker, but just someone who helped people with this is Rick Rubin. Um, his podcast Tetragrammatron is incredibly good. You should listen to it if you don't. He he basically asks these kinds of questions without pointing them on, putting them on the spot, and saying yeah. what's your style. He basically because that's what he does with his producing style and music. He it's just like, extracts. He extracts yeah. it through his questions and his open space. I do think it, we we would really benefit 
I do think that book, if people haven't read it, if there is a suggestion I make for them to read in 2024, read, I think, what is it called? The Creative Act or The Creative Something. I forget what it's called. But It's also great to listen to it because he's reading it. Yeah. And if he were a running coach, I would be, he's got this process where a lot of it is play. You know, at the onset, you just got to play around. You got to do things. You just got to. But when you get into the development, let's just call that like your grind. When you're into the grind, the development, it's a, he called it a long winding staircase. Mm. Yep. And, and you turn off the play and you execute on the grind. And I was like, oh my God. God, that, but he also said, don't be afraid to switch the grind off and go back into play if you need it. Lay it down, do something else. Like, And I just think that that style in running is clearly what comes out of your mouth, but what people are hearing might be something completely different depending on if they're open or closed depending on if they're using their body or their mind. Exactly. Depending on where they're at in their life. I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think we did this topic justice. It was, it's a, it's a, you know, it's one that we've threaded through many conversations and I think that's why you wanted to bring it forward and I think mm-hmm. it's good. The, the short version of this is don't use Simon Sinek's version of purpose. Use Rick Rubin's version of oh, purpose. Oh, man. <laughs> I, because they're so diametrically opposed. you want to opposed. get rocked. Yeah, yeah, they're just, so diametrically opposed, really. I think so. Uh, yeah, I said we might not come out with some type of apex of the conversation, but I think we came out with a few questions, you know, and that that are cause for consideration. Yeah. Not concern, but just consideration. We've um, given you guys a whole lot of super fucking practical advice recently. So we needed a little leg mm-hmm. stretching to get into more uh, philosophical, theoretical Yeah, it's like, like stretch. Questions. This is the play. Like, yes. we haven't put it into development yet. Right. We ha- we're not I don't know that it would take w- going us up the winding staircase. It takes us a point. while. We have to be, I think, like I said the other day, you and I, we had a great purpose conversation in the sense of just free playing. And then we, we've, we were free, we've been free playing for a long time. And then we had a really hard talk around something that was challenging to both of us. And then we had to walk up that staircase to treat each other with great respect and to follow the basic rules of order and Mm -hmm. allowance and listening and all those steps, which don't make great conversation necessarily. Mm -hmm. Right. But they were essential to our process of figuring out what we're doing here. And agreed. um, We're having fun. Yeah. I did give Michael the the opportunity to bail. No, (laughs) He's like, no, I think I'm going to keep doing this for a while. I'm liking this. I'm having fun. Yeah, man. (laughs) No, this is, this is about, this is about is, to me, this is the conversation that kind of um, is the most foundational conversation out of anything. I think that if you if you consider that it's almost like it's a pyramid, and this is the foundation. And as you get to the top, it gets more clear. You know, you, you know, it's is it's that's the goal at the top. Yeah, you know, it's the thing. You put a star on the tree, like whatever. But the bottom. And these these questions seem to be very esoteric, style centric, kind of fluid, and they always seem to come, which is reverse because you know to to what a lot of people might call like 
you know, like higher possibilities or, you know, higher frequency thinking and stuff like that, which maybe they're the same. It's just you flip the triangle upside down. Maybe the foundation is very myopic. And then as you get higher, you know, it's the it gets attaining enlightenment. It yeah, gets it's, it's like, it's like yeah. oh, shit. You know, feel it in your body, man. Um, <laughs> but like, but specifically to tie it back to stealing the culture back to me was an esoteric aim and this is closer to kind of letting the the pieces kind of come to the top yeah yeah it was fun and hopefully enjoyable for others as opposed to being actionable it's enjoyable and maybe there is action people can take i mean i do think that this idea of style is an ongoing um way of of thinking about your running that will translate to the rest of your life in a really really impactful way i think i do too especially for those who are you know prioritizing their mind mm-hmm. and that seems to not synchronize with their body this is going to hit them pretty hard to say like hey you don't have to you don't have to feel like that and it's all happening right there right in front of you yeah. and you can play with it and you can do stuff with it yeah. and and it and it's applicable and i that personally means think that your easy run might be a little easier yeah who knows so. you know maybe it's <laughs> maybe it's got some practical advice who knows maybe your easy runs not not hard enough yeah you dingus uh, who knows man <laughs> yeah. that's the hard thing about having conversations in a room in austin texas yeah that go out across the world and they do go out across the world so we have listeners all over everywhere Um, thanks guys. We appreciate you. Godspeed.